0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Genesis in chapter 15. I just got to tell you that it is the tail end of a much longer story but don't worry, we're going to get to it. Um, But we're going to hear the end of the story of Joseph and his brothers. I'm going to read uh, verses uh, 19 through 22, and it is on page 60 of the Old Testament of your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along with today's reading. Joseph said to his brothers, Do not be afraid. I can't put myself in the place of God. You plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good. I'm going to read that part another time. You plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good in order to preserve the lives of many people who are alive today because of what happened. You have nothing to fear. I will take care of you and your children. And so Joseph reassured his brothers with kind words that touched their hearts. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. A very popular television show in our house is the show The West Wing. The West Wing aired on NBC from 1999 to 2006. It is one of Lindsay and I's favorite shows. When we were newly married and the show was in reruns, it was on Bravo and we had a DVR. And so we had like the entire like first half of the entire series on our DVR for a very, very long time. It's a show we go back and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. It's, it's, a, it's a good show. Despite the show running for seven seasons, the ratings would tell you that there was no bigger or no more important episode in the entire run of the show than the second half of the second season finale. The second season ended with a two-part episode called Two Cathedrals, and a lot of the story, the main story, follows the president, follows Jed Bartlett, as he starts to tell the American people that he has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and told nobody. He knew that when he was running for president, and he told nobody, and he got elected, and now it's the whole big will they, won't they, if, if he'll run for a second term in office. But the side story almost dwarfs the main story because the side story is centered around Jed Bartlett's secretary, Dolores Lanningham, buying a car. And I know that doesn't seem very earth-shattering, but we learn during the episode that it is her first new car that she's buying all by herself since the death of her husband. Her husband used to take care of that stuff, and now she has to. Throughout the episode, we are granted several flashbacks that show us how Dolores Lanningham, lovingly called Mrs. Lanningham, how Mrs. Lanningham met Jed Bartlett and how she became so important to him that she is now his executive secretary. The heart of the story is this new car. And at the end of the first part of this two-part episode, We learn that Mrs. Landingham leaves the White House to go pick up her new car and, at the request of the president, so she kind of had to do it, drive back to the White House so that he can kick the tires. But what we learn is that on her way back, she is hit and killed by a drunk driver. It is a shocking revelation. It is a shocking turn of events, and we don't see it coming. And it led to the highest-rated episode in the show's entire run. And it leaves me to ask the question, why? Was the screenwriting of Aaron Sorkin just that good that it drew that many people back into the story? Is the MS scandal such a big deal that people just couldn't wait to find out what was going to happen next? Or could it be that the death of Dolores Lanningham asks such a basic question that gets at the heart of all of our lived experiences when we watch someone go through something so undeserved? I don't actually have the right answer. To me, Aaron Sorkin's writing is so engaging that I'll watch it no matter what he writes, but I suspect that the real answer has more to do with that third option. That third option of we just watched someone go through something so unfair and we just we want to sit in that and try to figure it out. It doesn't take us very long to think of examples of the way that life works and we go through things that just don't make sense. And so the West Wing, the TV show and life, asks us to ask the question, why? In the first two seasons of the West Wing, we learn endearing stories about Dolores Lanningham. And it makes her death all the more shocking. And it leaves us with so many questions about life and the way that the world works. And we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And as people of faith, our response is wrapped up In one word. It's a complex word, and it's a very jargony word, but it's one word. And the word is theodicy. The word is theodicy. And as we've seen over the past couple of weeks, any of the theo words talk about God. It's the Greek word for God, theos. So that's the first part of that word. The second half of the word is also Greek. It's the word decay. And it means justice. It is the justice of God. When we come face to face with hard times, when we go through things that are not fair, when life makes no sense, it is easy for us to doubt the reality of who God is. And it's easy for us to even blame God. Theodicy is our attempt to restore justice to God. Theodicy is our attempt to rectify our suffering and then to hold that intention with the understanding that God is all good and all powerful and all loving and always present. In the words of theologian Stanley Grenz, theodicy is our desire to defend God despite the reality of evil in the world why do bad things happen to good people there's no good answer but part of the answer is this idea of theodicy the last half of the book of genesis or the last third of the book of genesis gives us a more concrete understanding of theodicy than even the west wing can because the story centers around Joseph and his brothers and the justice of God. We first meet Joseph and his brothers in Genesis chapter 37, and that story stretches all the way to the end of the book of Genesis, and even into the start of the book of Exodus. We meet Joseph, and what we, we learn right away is that he is the most beloved son of his father Jacob. Jacob. And that would be fine if Joseph didn't have 11 other brothers. Do you see the problem starting to form? The story starts off with Joseph getting a new coat from his father, Jacob, and it is a beautiful coat, a multicolored coat. And he has these wonderful dreams of greatness. And then everything starts to go wrong. One day while the brothers are out taking care of the flocks, the eleven brothers have had enough of Joseph. And so they turn on him. They beat him. They leave him for dead. They tear this coat apart. And they only change their minds of just walking away completely when they realize that they can make money off of their their brother by selling him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And then from the Ishmaelites, Joseph finds his way into the house of a wealthy man, and because of a misunderstanding, Joseph ends up in prison. And we start to think that it can't get any worse. This is about as low as the story can go. Until Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream that he can understand, and the dream is not a good dream to have. Because the dream is about bumper crops and famine. The dream is about this hard time coming. The miracle is that someone in Pharaoh's court just happens to have been in jail with Joseph and knows that he has a penchant for interpreting dreams. And like I said, the dream is about bumper crops and famine. And through Joseph, Egypt navigates the next 14 years of feast and famine. The brothers, however, are not as lucky. Famine hits them hard, but they've heard of the prosperity of Egypt, and so they go there. And they end up before Pharaoh's assistant, and that assistant just looks so familiar, but they can't quite place him. Because it's their brother Joseph. And after toying with them a little bit, like younger brothers do, Joseph reveals himself as their long-deserted brother. And the brothers are so afraid of retaliation. The brothers are so afraid that Joseph will treat them how they deserve to be treated. That Joseph has to reassure them, which is where we picked up on the story in our scripture this morning. As Joseph says to his brothers, I cannot put myself in the place of God. You plotted evil against me. There's no denying that. You plotted evil against me. But God turned it in to good. You plotted evil, but God turned it in to good. Notice that God does not cause the evil. The brothers caused the evil, but God used it. That is one thing that we get wrong about suffering and evil in the world. Even in the West Wing, in the show, after Dolores Lanningham's funeral, Jed Bartlett, the president, takes a moment to lament his feelings and says to God in prayer, she got her first new car and you hit her with a drunk driver. She got her first new car, and you hit her. And that is an understandable and human response to a senseless loss. And I'm sure that we've all had similar thoughts in the midst of bad things. We've all had similar thoughts in the midst of hurt. We've all had similar thoughts in the midst of mourning. When something happens that is unfair, when something happens that hurts us, when something happens that breaks our heart, it is so vindicating to have someone to blame. And when there's no one on earth that we can blame, that blame gets shifted. That blame gets shifted to God. And the good news and the grace in that moment is that we serve a God who is big enough to handle that. We serve a God that is big enough to handle that, to hear that, to receive it, and even to understand where that sentiment comes from. But it's not fair. And more than it not being fair, it is not fair consistent with the teaching of Scripture. One of the worst things that happens in the history of the Israelites is the Babylonian captivity, the exile. Jerusalem falls, the temple's destroyed. God didn't cause it. The complacency of the Israelites caused it. But God used it. God used it to inspire greater faithfulness. God did not cause the suffering in the book of Job. But God used it to teach a greater message. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 9, we meet a, we meet a man who is born blind. And the disciples asked the question that we would all ask. Who sinned that this man was born blind? How did this go so wrong? But God didn't cause it. God used it to propel forth the healing ministry of Jesus. And so hear me when I say this. God did not cause the accident. God did not cause the diagnosis. God did not cause the marriage to fall apart. God did not cause the alcoholism. God did not cause the harm. But God uses it. In the case of Joseph, God used the evil that his brothers plotted to save lives. And in our own life, God uses those things to rekindle our faithfulness. God uses those things to get our attention. God uses those things to refine us. And sometimes we go through things that still just don't make a darn bit of sense. But God uses it. And maybe, just maybe through time, God will go so far as to redeem it. So that the evil that is plotted against us brings forth good. Why do bad things happen to good people? Let me put it in a way that I think we're all feeling Why do bad things happen to faithful churches? I don't know the answer. I don't. I wish I did. I don't know the answer. But I know this we serve a really strong God who can handle us when we are not at our best. What I know is that we have the unfortunate honor to watch God work for good even now. What I know is that our circumstance feel like evil plotted against us. But we have the opportunity to watch and see how God can work it for good. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for your life in the midst of our lives. We give you thanks for things we've experienced that that have made us who we are, that have brought us to this place. And as we go through things in life that are not fair and that hurt, we look to you. We trust you when it doesn't make sense. Because we know that you are a God who works all things for good for those who love him and that are called according to his purpose. We know that you are a God who redeems all things. And while we wait, we seek you, we look to you, we trust you and we love you. we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.